Good morning, church. I trust that we are all doing well. I'm glad to come your way again. We thank God for a new day. It's the start of a new week. It's a new season. It's a good day. Fresh anointing is coming our way. It's a season of power and prosperity, as the songwriter will say. It's a new season, and it's coming your way. Amen. Let's be expectant of that. Last week, we started our series on the ministry of reconciliation. We realized God is interested in fostering a love walk and a relationship with his creation on the basis of Christ's death on Calvary. Uh, This death has afforded to us a new identity. Christ's death is not a death that came in vain. It's a death that afforded us new identity called new creation. We learned about that last week. It means that we are a new species of being that has never existed before. We have no past. We have no past. So when you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, he doesn't refer to you in your past. But he looks at your future, your glorification, and your present stance of living for him. Amen. So we learned that last week. Secondly, we also learned that we have been entrusted into our care, the ministry of reconciliation. And we spoke so much about that last week. We realized that the word ministry in the Greek means office and administration. So when God says that he has entrusted into our care the ministry of reconciliation, it means we have to step into the office of a reconciler and administer the duties of reconciliation. And what does reconciliation mean? It means to adjust the differences. For relationship's sake, it means to restore a broken relationship. But reconciliation is a business term. It means adjusting differences. So if you, if you happen to balance the books and the money doesn't seem to have a certain correlation, what you will do to make sure that it's even on, 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 on each side is called reconciliation or you are reckoning the accounts. Amen. So the, the Bible lets us know that we stand in that office to adjust the difference. And what is the difference? The difference does seem to exist between God and man, which is no more because Christ died on Calvary, paid the price, and the Bible lets us know that God is now reconciling the world to himself. So we who now have been given the ministry of reconciliation, we have to let the world know that God is reconciling the world to himself, not imputing. That's another business term. He is not crediting to your account trespasses. People need to know this message. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, how would they know without a preacher? They are never going to know. Your ordinary person walking around will never know this truth. 
unto we who claim we have accepted the gospel, have come into the light, will open our mouths and preach the gospel. We also learned that with accompanying the ministry of reconciliation is the word of reconciliation. That is the gospel. The gospel is the great reconciler. And lastly, we learned that we are ambassadors of God, which means that we represent his virtues and his principles to the world. Amen. So you are an ambassador. See yourself that the import of this message, or what we learned last week, is that God wants us to reconcile the world to him by telling them, tell others of the price Christ has paid to make it so. Amen. So today we want to switch gears to Ephesians chapter 2, where it sheds more light on the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, the price of reconciliation, and its effects. So in Ephesians chapter 2, you will come across four, four, four uh, scenarios which all has to do with reconciliation. It will talk to us about the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, the price of reconciliation, and the effects of reconciliation. Amen. So I'm going to take some few Sundays to cover all these bases. I really wanted to try to do as much as I could today, but on, on, on a second thought, I believe I don't have to rush this. Amen. I, I have to really aim at understanding, making sure that people understand the message and most importantly, what they understand, they will apply to their lives. Amen. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. We start from there. Ephesians chapter 2 verses number 1 to number 10. Ephesians I want to believe by faith we are all there, so I read. And you he made a life who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. The story changes here. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive with Christ by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For if we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Father, bless the reading of your word. 
Let your word come forth in simplicity and clarity of speech. Let your word bless your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this scripture this morning I just read underscores to us the ministry of reconciliation. And like I said, the word ministry means the office and administration of reconciliation. So in this, in this passage, we see the reconciler and then we see him administering the duties of reconciliation. And that's what we have also been called to do. Amen. So if you are asking yourself, how do I become a minister of reconciliation? This will be your model by which you can do. Amen. Now, the Bible starts off with our history, man. And this was man before he became new creation. This is all of us. All of us. All of us became infected with a contagion, which was more deadly than the coronavirus. I believe the whole of 2020 and a larger part of 2021, the world was under siege. We were all shut down, all because of one tiny virus. But may I say something? There is something deadlier than coronavirus. It's causing. All right? When Adam sinned, it affected us who were even unborn. Coronavirus doesn't affect unborn children. Coronavirus, you have to come into close proximity to get it. But this contagion or this virus, which was called SIN, sin, it affected the whole world. It affected me because I'm part of the human race. That is how deadly this was. Even I do remember when they were given the reports of the coronavirus. Do you know that certain countries were coronavirus free? They never had the corona. But sin, it doesn't exempt any country. All of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. For this reason, the ministry of reconciliation had to come into place. But look at how bad our state was. Six things that Apostle Paul by Revelation spoke about. All of us, when we hadn't received Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, and had Christ not come on the scene, we would have been finished. Because this is our very state. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We had no conscience. We wallowed in sin. We had pleasure in sin. We were just like a pig that makes the death its home. That was how it was. Sin was enjoyable. Much pleasure to you. You didn't have any conscience. That it was it means that you were dead in trespasses and sins. The second thing was we walked according to the course of the world. We didn't have power. We didn't have self-discipline. We walked according to the course of the world. The world which is controlled by the devil. That's what we walked according to. And the course here means a wheel. So we were like the fairy wheel. We had no power of ourselves, just like the fairy wheel. And we were just walking according to the course of the world. Whatever your, your, your senses feel like doing, that's what it did. Whatever your eyes see, that is what it felt like doing. 
Whatever your nose smells, that's what it felt like doing. Walking according to the course of the well. It meant that we were in a place of helplessness. We had no self-will. We had no self-discipline. The old King James word used there is lasciviousness, which means that you are ill-tempered. So we were ill-tempered. And that is why our state was that bad. All because of one contagion that affected this world through the father of the human race in Adam. Thirdly, we walked according to the prince of the power of the air. We were all possessed one way or another. We all were filled with demons one way or another. You may say that, oh, I have never done bad things before. It does, you, you might not necessarily have to do bad things to walk under the prince of the power of the air. It is so because of Adam. We all walked according to the prince of the power of the air because we didn't have the Holy Spirit. And just as nature abhors vacuum, spirit also abhors vacuum. So in, in, in this world, you are either filled with the spirit of God or you are filled with the spirit of the world, or better to say, the spirit of the devil. We were all walking according to the prince of the power of the air. He had control of us. He inspired our thoughts. No matter how good a person you think you might be, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air. Not just that. The Bible lets us know that we conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. So our flesh was our policeman. Last year talks about desires. We walked according to the desires of the flesh. Whatever we felt like doing, that is what we did. And let me say this. That is the lowest way to live. The lowest way to live is to live by the desires of your flesh. Amen. Number five. We fulfilled the desires of the flesh we did not just walk in the desires of the flesh. We also fulfilled the desires of the flesh. It didn't just become our lifestyle. We fulfilled it. Now, when you read Galatians chapter 5, it talks to us about the works of the flesh, which are made manifest. We walked in those things. It mentions things like adultery, fornication. It mentions things like ill temperance. It mentions things like revelance. These were what we wallowed in. This was what we had pleasure in. This was what governed us. This was our moral compass. We didn't have God as our moral compass. We had the world, the desires of the world, which the Bible said there is nothing good that comes from it. This was what became our moral compass. And then, lastly, this is even the scariest. We were by nature the children of wrath. All of us. So sin brought some very deadly and harrowing implications. The last one is that we were by nature children of wrath. That means we were subjected to judgments. That means we will have to pay for the penalty of sins, which is death. And death also means separation from God. So it meant that we will have to be separated from God because God is a holy God. But the story doesn't just end there. The story could have been very grim. 
because we have such a heavy sentence on humanity, all because of one man's sin. But this is where reconciliation kicked in. The Bible lets us know that it happened on the basis of love. Look at verse 4. It described God, but God who is rich in mercy loved us. He said this was where reconciliation started from. The concept of reconciliation came from love. It came because God was rich in mercy. That is why he was able to love us. And the Bible lets us know that when he loved us, he adjusted the difference. That's what it means to reconcile. He adjusted the difference that made us seem at odds with each other. He adjusted the difference. And how did he adjust the difference? By sending Christ to come and die. Therefore, the Bible lets us know that when Christ was raised, he was raised up with us together. That was the benefit of Christ resurrecting. Because when Christ resurrected from the dead, it was also symbolism of the world who have been kept under siege by sin, who had been kept by the power of the devil, will also rise from the dead. And we didn't just rise from the dead. We were made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What's a heavenly place? A heavenly place is not heaven. A heavenly place simply means that wherever Christ is, that is a heavenly place. And you and I, when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we are sitting in a heavenly place. A heavenly place is wherever God sits. It's like there's a place called Chinatown. Chinatown is not China. I hope you are aware of that. Chinatown is just a community of Chinese people who have decided to bring their culture in a foreign land. So it's a heavenly place. A heavenly place is not heaven, but it is where God has decided to stay and he has brought all power, all kingdom, everything that has to do with the kingdom of God, residence. And where is that residence? That residence is us. For Christ is in us, the hope of glory. So where Christ dwells, that is where it's called a heavenly place. I hope you can understand that this morning. So on the basis of reconciliation, Christ resurrected from the dead. Why? Because it's symbolism that we will also be resurrected from spiritual death, from spiritual stupor, so that we can also experience the newness of life in Christ Jesus. This is the reason why Christ had to die. So that was the price that was paid. Amen. And not just that. But reconciliation, the Bible lets us know, it's afforded us the opportunity to know the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness. How did we know that? We knew that because of salvation. The exceeding riches of his grace and kindness. Look at how worthy it is. 
exceeding. Exceeding means it is more than over. Excess. Riches of his grace in kindness in Christ. This story just wants to let us know that God really loves us. He loves us so much that he thought of the concept of reconciliation. Why? Because he was rich in mercy. And one of the ways by which we will understand the exceeding riches of his grace is to experience the gospel. I don't know of you, but I have experienced the exceeding riches of his grace. Because when I received Christ as my Lord and personal Savior, my life has never been the same. Because my sins have been forgiven. I don't walk under a cloud of shame or guilt. I don't walk feeling condemned. I have this assurance in me that I am one with my Father. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit that bears witness in me. All this tantamount to the riches of his grace in kindness. It is something experiential. This is not something that you can know by being outside in. This is something that you have to be on the inside to experience. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are here and you have not experienced the exceeding riches of Christ's grace and kindness, it probably might mean you are not born again. Because anybody who would have come to that place, that realization of receiving Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, they will have an experience of that. And it is because of that experience, that is why you will now be able to step into the office of a reconciler and administer the duties of reconciliation. When we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we realize that for us to even be called ambassadors, for us to even become ministers of reconciliation, for God to entrust the word of reconciliation to us, he didn't just entrust it to humanity, but he entrusted it to people who have become new creation. It says because when we have become new creation, we have that experience of reconciliation and we are able to share it with other people. It just doesn't become abstract. Amen. So I pray that may we all indeed experience the exceeding riches of Christ's grace and kindness so that we will be able to transmit it to other people. We will be able to share it to other people. That is the only way the exceeding riches of Christ's grace become shareable. That is why before Christ talks about we are the ministers of reconciliation, he first and foremost had to make sure we be called the new creation. You can't minister love when it is abstract to you. You can't minister reconciliation when it is abstract to you. First and foremost, before you are an ambassador of Christ, you will have to be a new creation. That means you are born again. You have experienced the righteousness of God, which now gives you that confidence. 
It gives you that authority. It gives you that approval from heaven. Now to step into the office of a reconciler and administer the duties of reconciliation. Amen. Now, one of the things that we will have to know about this when we talk about the exceeding riches of Christ's grace and kindness is that it is out of that that we experience salvation. That is why in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that for we have been saved by grace through faith, not of works that any man should boast. So, the only reason why we can come to God is because of grace. It's a work of grace. It is not by your volition. It's not by your human efforts. It's not by how good you are. It's just by grace. It's a work of grace. Because you have become a recipient of his exceeding riches of grace and kindness. That's why you are saved. That's why we are here. That's why we can worship. Not because of your volition. Not because of any amounts or any efforts. Not because of your good deeds. Do you know one of the things that will shock people? That there is no amount of good deed outside Christ that can take you to heaven. There is no amount of giving or being charitable outside Christ that can take you to heaven. There is no amount of being moral or or having high moral rectitude outside Christ can take you to heaven. Because it is not of man that he should boast. Neither is it because of his works that he should feel he has merited salvation. For salvation is a free gift. The exceeding riches of his grace came at work when we were revived from that lifeless, cold, dead corpse into a living being like Adam. The Bible lets us know that Adam was just a pound of clay. But the Spirit of the Lord breathed into him and he became a living being. And that was how we were. We were also dead. But we were not dead because we were created. We were dead because of Adam. And that contagion traveled as far as to the unborn generations and it affected the whole world. And Christ's riches, his exceeding kindness had to kick in here. It had to come into play. We had to be revived out of that comatose state. We had to be revived out of that, sleepless, that sleeping state that would have taken us straight to hell. We had to be waking up. Why? Because of Christ's exceeding riches of his grace. Today I ask you this question. Do you know of grace? Have you experienced grace? Grace is a byproduct of reconciliation. And let me tell you the truth. If you have experienced that grace that John talks about in John chapter 1, that of his fullness we have experienced grace upon grace, it is only then that you will be able to stand in a position 
to become a reconciler for God and you will administer therein. Therefore, today, don't take your salvation for granted. Know why God has saved you. God has saved you so that you and I can experience the riches, the kindness, the bountifulness of his grace. And we will not just keep it as a reservoir. We will go on and pour to the lives of people. That is how we become a blessing. And remember, it is not of works that you should boast. I have been saved. I have been resurrected from the dead. I'm no longer dead in trespasses and sins. I have been made alive. I no longer conduct myself in the desires of my flesh. Neither do I walk in, in the fulfillment of it because I have the Holy Spirit. But all this happened not because I had some plans or I had some steps. All this happened because of the exceeding riches of His grace. Today I pray that may you experience grace through the avenue of this sermon. Because it is only when you have contacted grace that you will be gracious by becoming a reconciler, by abridging the difference that exists between man and God. Amen. Now, since we know that salvation is a pure gift, look at the beautiful work of reconciliation here. God didn't just wake us up. He didn't just shake us out of spiritual death. But I like what is said in verse 10. That for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look at the transformation. We were dead. We were lifeless. We were tools of the enemy. We were vile. We had no conscience. But God has seen a fit to now make us his showpiece. That's the meaning of the word workmanship. The meaning of the word workmanship means the master's masterpiece. We are the master's masterpiece. Look at the transformation from verse 1 to 4. Look at our history. Dead in trespasses and sins. Walked according to the course of the world. Walked according to the prince of the power of the air. Conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Fulfilled the desires of the flesh. We were by nature children of wrath. That means we were going to be sentenced to death. Look at the transformation. Now because of Christ's love or his grace. Because of God's love, which the Bible lets us know, because he was rich in mercy, that is why he allowed Christ to be the agent of reconciliation. Out of that, now we have become the master's showpiece. 
And this is what it means. A showpiece is not something you hide. It is something you are proud of. You, you, you put it in a place where it's visible for everybody to see. We who were dead. We who were cusps. Now, God is displaying us on his mantelpiece. He has made us a showpiece. We are the master's masterpiece. I like that. And why are we the master's masterpiece? We are the master's masterpiece because we are on display because we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. A showpiece is something that any architect or potter will boast about. A showpiece is like, this is my best work I have done so far. Or like the painter who just likes to do paintings. They showcase their best work in the auction. Now, that is the picture. We who were dead, we have been transformed to the point that now the Lord is showcasing us. And he's showcasing us. Why? Because we have been created in Christ Jesus for every good work. God boasts of you because you are his showpiece. God boasts of you because you are his masterpiece. The master's masterpiece. His best work that he has created since Adam has been you. Why? Because you have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. And you are not just there to be on the Lord's mantelpiece. You are there so that you will do good works. Good works that you have been ordained in. So this makes us know that when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, anything that we will do in the name of Christ, any good deed that we will do, it's not by accident. It was pre-programmed. It was part of his agenda. We are his showpiece. We are his masterpiece. And what are some of the good works? Some of the good works we are to do is now to turn the light of reconciliation on people who are walking in darkness. People who are also conducting themselves in the lust of the flesh. People who are fulfilling the desires of the flesh. People who are walking according to the course of this world. It's now time that we also shine the light of the gospel upon them so that they can also be reconciled to God. Why? Because God is not imputing trespasses on the world, but he's reconciling the world to himself. But for, for, for people to know that message, we have to be the gap filler between God and man and let them know of his wondrous love, his exceeding riches of grace and kindness. All this has been made possible because of grace. All this has been made possible because God, who is rich in mercy, has loved us with such a great love. So today, know that as we end at verse 10, you have been saved, you have been regenerated, you have experienced God's love because he is rich in mercy, and you have experienced Christ's kindness because of the riches of his grace. 
Why? So that you will become his showpiece. You will become the master's masterpiece created unto good works. You have been created unto good works. That is the ministry of reconciliation. That is what we read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God is looking at you to be a showpiece of his glory. God is looking at you and me this morning. I'm talking to you to be a showpiece of his manifested goodness. God is looking at you to be a showpiece of his love. God has blessed us so that we will be a blessing. He told Abraham, he said, get thee from your country, your father's house. Get thee from your environs. I will bless you. And when I bless you, you will be a blessing. In that same vein, God is telling us today, arise from spiritual death. Arrive from slumber. Arrive from spiritual stupor. And now come into my light and receive the riches of my son's kindness, which has been made possible by grace. And when you have experienced that and when now you have become the master's masterpiece, when you have become God's showpiece, which he now uses you to brag, and he displays you as his best work ever. Why? So that you can also shine the light of the gospel upon the rest of the dark world. I pray in the name of Jesus that may we embrace the ministry of reconciliation. That is to step into the office of the reconciler and administer the duties of reconciliation. I pray that you will come to the realization and truth of your assignments to be the master's masterpiece. Say it with me, church. I am his showpiece unto good works for his glory. You are God's masterpiece. The master's masterpiece. Look at your story. You were dead. You walked according to the course. Not just the course of the world. You also walked according to the prince of the power of the air. You had no future. You conducted yourself in the desires of your flesh and walked and fulfilled those desires. Not just that. You were by nature a child of wrath because you are appointed for judgment and the judgment is the wages of sin is death because of a contagion called sin but thanks be to God we serve a God who is rich in mercy and because he's rich in mercy he loved us so well, before we, we experience the ministry of reconciliation, we experience God's love. Not just that. We now look at the agency of reconciliation, who is Christ. When he died, that was a symbol that he has come to take our place. And he resurrected. And when he resurrected, it was symbolism that we have been raised together with Christ to sit with him 
because we are no longer dead. We are no longer corpse. That is the essence of the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness. And that's why salvation is known to be a gift. And that's why we can say confidently and authoritatively from scripture that salvation, it is not of works. It's the gift of God. For we have been saved by grace through faith. And not just that. We have come to a place whereby now God has now showcased us as a showpiece. And he is showcasing us as a showpiece because we are the best at. Why? Because we have been created in Christ Jesus. He showcases us like the painter that showcases his best work at an auction. He showcases us just like the porter will make one of his finest portraits. He showcases us just like an architect will put one of his finest buildings on display. Today, God is showcasing us. We are the best at. Why? Because we've been created in Christ Jesus. That is why we are the master's masterpiece. Not just that. So that we will walk in good works because we have been created unto good works. And ladies and gentlemen, if you and I have become recipients of God's love, Christ's grace, whereby we have experienced salvation as a gift, and our fortunes have been turned around from death to alive, from being a child of wrath to now being a child of his love, where we can taste of the grace of God, whereby now we can say that we sit with Christ in heavenly places. It is not just the end of your for you to enjoy it. It's now time to shine the light of the gospel of reconciliation on the rest of the people who are dark. And we should let them know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God is not imputing trespasses on the world, but he's reconciling a connection. He's reconnecting the world back to himself. But someone needs to be that voice. Someone needs to be that preacher. I re-echo Romans 10 again. How would they hear without a preacher? God has called us to be showpieces. God has called us to be his masterpiece so that we'll make known his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We embrace this task. We step into the office of the reconciler. We administer the duties of reconciliation. Oh Lord, help us. May we be bold. May we have alacrity. May we be enthusiastic. May we be joyous about this. May we start with our friends, start with our family, start with our neighbors, start with our work colleagues, start with the people we go to lunch with. Father, help us to be bridge builders for people to come into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.